Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, CBS's Will Brinson joins me to break down the divisional round of the playoffs, a four-game preview. But first, I wanted to tell you about another ESPN podcast, and that is in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. They present Kyle Brandt's Basement, led by NFL Network's Good Morning Football host, Kyle Brandt. This Sunday through Thursday show explores the ins and outs of the NFL through lively guest interviews, including Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, every Tuesday. That's Kyle Brandt's Basement. Listen wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, joining me now here, as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show, a frequent contributor to the podcast, a good friend of mine, an excellent podcaster on football, a golf DFS wizard, as you can see from his various uh, his shows, if you watch that on his Twitter, on YouTube as well. It is our friend from CBS, Will Brinson. Will, like you said before we got on, good set of games there for the divisional round. Great set of games, Bill, and uh, thank you. I saw you. I saw you liked my tweet of when we we did a we did uh, me and uh, I don't want to talk about this nonsense, but me and Link Calhoun and um, my buddy Will Newman did. A, we were like, you know, we just want to talk golf, so we fired up a golf stream ahead of the American Express, which is a mm-hmm. silly nonsense tournament to talk about, and uh, we talked for two and a half hours. Which is <laughs> what's going to happen with the Super Bowl, given that there is uh, the Waste Management Open and the Super Bowl happening the same week in Phoenix. How are you going to handle that? Uh, you know, it, it actually happened the last time the Super Bowl was in Phoenix, too. It just oh, happened really? to be the same weekend. Um, I, I think the bigger question, how does Jim Nance handle it? Well, I guess he doesn't have to deal with the Super Bowl because he's on Fox. But um, I, I'm actually flying out of Phoenix back home on Saturday, so I won't be going to the game. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I've, I've reached... Like, I think I've reached that level of tenure now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just not going to the game. Yeah. That's but what I do. I know. And, and, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, but I was kind of hoping to go to the waste management on Saturday. Mm. I have heard, however, that, I mean, one, it's like 30 minutes away from downtown Phoenix at least, yes. maybe an hour. And two, um, you know, it's a bunch of sloppy, drunk college frat kids, which, you know, I mean, not my scene by any stretch. Of <laughs> maybe not anymore. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as a golf DFS expert, I feel like you have the clout to go there and just demand things. Well, it is a CBS tournament. There you so, go. Even better. Yeah, I'm, we're. I think we're going to try and go. Um, yeah, it's it's probably not going to happen. It's just too much work. I think you know because you got to fly out early anyway. Um, the games we don't. You don't want to talk about my golf habit. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, can, we can talk. We have good games. We have good yeah. games. We'll we have about. really good games this week and. It is a little surprising because they're great games, but the, the spreads are all pretty high. Yes. Relative to divisional rounds. Yes. I know multiple Bills fans who have communicated to me that they are extremely worried that the spread for that game is five and a half because they think they're a worse team than the Cincinnati Bengals. And to be fair, they might be right. Mm. Well, let's start with that one. Sure. Your instinct makes me feel like you are optimistic about the Bills in this first contest. Is that fair to say? Um, I no, I think I'm actually now a Bengals fan who is mm. who's who's pessimistic about the Bengals' chances. You know, the Jonah Williams injury, you know, he's not Anthony Munoz, as Pete Prisco pointed out on the podcast today, but it is a pretty significant injury. They're down three offensive linemen. You know, the Bills are a really well coached team. They have a Good defense, although not a great defense. You can run on them most of the mm-hmm. year, and the pass rush, particularly now with Von Miller gone, obviously, 
has has been a little uh, lacking in teeth. Yep, which is is you know you got to get after Joe Burrow. Um, I sort of wonder, Bill. I think it's really interesting how the 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 Demar Hamlin thing has kind of changed the way that we view Zach Taylor as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like even you know John Breach, lifetime lifelong Bengals fan, dad kick for the Bengals. You know he's he hadn't been all in on Zach Taylor, and I, and I think over the last you know, a couple of weeks. It's like everybody, the way that he handled it, the leadership he showed in Buffalo in that spot, I think, I mean, and I don't know if it's fair or not. It just changed the perception of him as a coach. Now it helps that the Bengals are good. Um, I largely believe that Joe Burrow is kind of dragging him along with this, with, with Cincinnati. Not unfair. Yeah. And I think, I think my biggest, I mean, my biggest thing with this matchup is that I just don't want to bet against Joe Burrow in a, when the chips are down. And he is, he is, he might not be, the number one guy you would take if you were doing a redraft, I understand mm-hmm. you'd probably go Mahomes uh, and then Allen. I thought I, would, I thought you were going to say Purdy or Daniel Jones too. Uh, Daniel Jones, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you, how excited? Are you? Well, we can talk about you giving. We'll talk about. Oh, we'll talk about Daniel Jones. Trust me. David Gettleman's redemption tour, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I wouldn't be. I don't think it's insane to suggest you could take Burrow one, just because I know that like physically he's not the guy that Allen and Mahomes are. But mm-hmm. my goodness gracious, boy, he when the when. When it's when it's when it's time to close, mm-hmm. he's the coldest killer in football. I think it feels like he has that cigar ready, and he's just yeah. like, "I got to I got to do what it's going to take to get me to that cigar, and whatever it's going to take, I'm going to get there." I mean, I, I I don't think that's unwarranted, but at the same time, I, I guess let's start there because this is a Bengals offense that just came off two straight against the Ravens, and they did not do all that much on offense in both those games. Like they were fine, but. They score 17 points in the wild card game. They get the defensive touchdown, uh, the 98-yard return to swing that game in their favor. But the Ravens did slow Joe Burrow and this Bengal, Bengals offense down. So from seeing those games, especially the wild card game, do you think there was anything that concerned you or anything the Bills could take away? Like, Do you think it's just losing multiple offensive linemen is going to put a ceiling on what they can do or do you think that's just a bad matchup for the ravens and they're going to be you know a much more effective offense here against the bills i I think a little bit of both one i mean it is a bad matchup the ravens defense you know is 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 noted all over the place right once they traded for roquan smith who they paid a lot of money for too in that big contract um you know once they traded for roquan smith it dramatically changed who they were on defense and they were i mean a much much better team after that trade roquan smith is an all-pro player it shouldn't be that's shocking. You know, you can we can haggle about whether or not um you know we want to give that kind of cash to an off ball linebacker, but you know, when you trade, you know, we trade what they traded for him and you you know his contract situation, you you know, you sort of go into it expecting to give that deal out. Mm-hmm, and course. he made the defense a lot of, of substantially better. And I think that showed up against uh, Cincinnati. You're also, you know, talking about the even if the second time was with uh primarily backups, you are talking about the third time, you know, a, a divisional matchup. Um, the only oh, yeah, action, obviously, that the the Bengals got against the Bills, or that the Bills were able to see it against the Bengals, were those first few plays before that that scary the, the scary Hamlin incident. Mm-hmm. And to me, and this sort of goes back to what I mentioned with Zach Taylor, is like I am very curious to see down these offensive linemen how he handles this approach offensively, mm-hmm. because there I think there's one of two ways you could do it, right? You could say, all right, you know what, we're down. These offensive linemen, we do not want Joe Burrow under siege from these young pass rushers of Buffalo. We are going to pound the football. Yep. That seems, I mean, that seems obvious, but also kind of counterintuitive because when you lose offensive linemen, 
they are also, as we know, in charge of run blocking. Yes. And to me, the way to attack this would be to do what the Bengals started to do when they came out against Buffalo. And that was let Joe Burrow cook and he mm -hmm. get the ball out quickly. Let Tyler Boyd eat up underneath. Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you're going to get these, one, you know, I mean, I don't know if they'll double cover, like if they double cover Jamar Chase, you just, you know, you attack with T Higgins. And I just think there's, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious that, that to me is the, the crux of, of how this game will swing, because if the Bengals are trying to run the ball, I think Buffalo can score on them, get them down and force them into like a negative game script where Joe Burrow will have to drop back and, and into deeper drops. If they can be aggressive with the short passing game and really, you know, get, get Buffalo on their heels, this mm -hmm. could probably turn into a shootout. Uh, but I think that would probably, I think that behooves the Bengals the most to me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. In terms of that first game, obviously only three drives, two, one and a half really for the Bengals, one for the Bills. Both teams moved the ball effectively. Bengals scored a touchdown, had a, you know, Burrow was like four or four for 60 yards and had a long PI to Jamar Chase against Tredavious White. Um, do you think that was instructive and meaningful? Like, do you think that is makes you feel more confident? It's going to be that kind of game in the rematch, or is it just you know two and a half drives doesn't mean that much. No, I think I, I do think that makes me a little more confident because it was very clear to me. And you know, by the way, I don't want to you know obviously the the situation with Demar Hamlin. You know, now it's it's a little bit it's of course a little bit easier to talk about it now that he is he's you know, improving and, and and not you know nothing really really bad happened, but. The, the Bengals, and I, I do wonder how much this will factor in too. The Bengals got really hosed by the NFL, and, and I don't think it's being talked about enough. They were in a situation where the, the game they they handled that they handled the Demar Hamlin injury with class, mm -hmm. with a great deal of sportsmanship. They deferred to the Bills. They wanted to make sure that, you know, and of course, they were shook up too. You're on the field, um, but because that game is not played, the NFL decided to allow the Bills, who have less wins than the Chiefs. Uh, play on a neutral site field if they if they met in the AFC Championship game. Meanwhile, the Bengals were in a situation where if they lost the Ravens in Week 18, mm -hmm. they were going to have a coin flip to figure out if they were playing in Baltimore, Cincinnati, and they were denied the opportunity to try and host this game in Cincinnati by virtue of beating Buffalo in the regular season. And, and so mm -hmm. it's very surprising to me that they didn't, you know, like it's the same situation as Kansas City and Buffalo. I don't really understand why they wouldn't apply the exact same rules to Cincinnati that they applied to Buffalo and Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I think the Bengals are pretty ticked off about it. I mean, we've heard reports about that. I think the Bengals players, I think the Bengals fans are ticked off about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you saw, at least in those first two drives, that Joe Burrow, just the way that he, the way that he looked, sort of just coming out aggressively throwing, um, you know, putting the ball in exactly where he needed it to be. He understood the gravity of that game and that moment on Monday Night Football, final game of Week 17, we can get the two seed, maybe get the one seed. I think you see that same urgency in that same game plan. I, I would hope that that's instructive, and I would guess that Buffalo probably thinks it is too. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Did you know that Joe Mixon was fined thirteen thousand dollars for his coin flip celebration? Get out of town! He was. 13, Are you kidding me? Thirteen two six one fined for the coin flip celebration. By the way, my my uh, my bolt. We did bolt predictions pod, and uh, my yep. bolt prediction for this game was that T Higgins would uh, score a touchdown. And lift up his shirt and have a Demar Hamlin uh, three jersey on underneath, and then I wow. want to see what the NFL does. If like I hope, I hope somebody does it, I want to see what the NFL handles that because you can't find them. That did chorus. That was my favorite. Like I loved when. Do you remember years ago? I think it was the first Seahawks Super Bowl where Marshawn Lynch was wearing gold shoes, and there was a threat of like, oh, if he wears gold shoes out, he's not going to be able to play. I was like, of well, course, of course, yeah. The, the solution but, is 
just have the entire team come out wearing gold shoes. They're going to kick <laughs> the entire right. team out of the game? Yeah. I don't think so. No, of course not. When, didn't Ocho Cinco try and do that too? I believe so. I believe he had shoes that were not uh, not appropriate, and yeah. the NFL was. I remember, I remember sitting in that. That was, that was the last one in Arizona too. The, the Marshall mm -hmm. Gold shoes. Because mm -hmm. I remember sitting in uh, in in the press box in Arizona with binoculars, focusing on Marshall Lynch's feet. <laughs> that that's just your thing. Well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to bring that up on the podcast. But that's just that's a clean guy. That's not, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, on the Bill side, Josh Allen is going through some stuff. Josh Allen, uh, last game, hit some incredible throws, absolutely otherworldly passes, and made some bad plays. Some throws into tight windows, took a strip sack for a touchdown, and he was hot coming off a of blitz. Um, just, I, I feel like he is playing hero ball. Mm. Um, and I know that some Bills fans are frustrated. They think the scheme is not necessarily where it needs to be, and maybe that's not, but I do think there are options. Um, that he's sort of passing up underneath to try and hit those shots downfield. And I felt like the Dolphins were really feeding into that. Like they were rushing six and seven 20% of the time. They were saying, hey, we're going to either, we're going to take away the scrambling lanes from you. We're going to give you one-on-one -on -one shots downfield, hit them or throw incomplete, but we're going to take our shot and, and create more of a higher risk, higher reward situation and kind of feed into that hero ball mentality. So from your perspective, Will, can the Bills win this win this game? I should start with and win the Super Bowl with Josh Allen playing this way, where he's turning the ball over a little more often, but hitting a bunch of big plays. Or do you think he has to change the way he's been playing over the past really couple months for them to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, great question. And I think that the answer you know to hedge here, they can win the Super Bowl with that type of play, but the variance and the uh the the line that you have to walk like the, like the, the the path is a lot thinner when you're playing that sort of hero ball because you are shooting for the moon realizing that what could end up happening is you know you're turning the ball over it felt like you know the bills got up 17 nothing against the dolphins and i mean i was like all right the bill i was like i need to bet more bills like bills live um they're gonna run away with this thing and then that hero ball stuff kicked in and he's like running around like holding the ball like he's peak shady mccoy you know like, like, a, like a very loose bread basket he's one handing it fumbling forward and um and, and and trying to stuff it into tight windows i sort of wonder if like like is this is this a like i mean i don't think this is a designed approach by buffalo is it bill I, to me it has to be josh allen is just kind of pressing a little bit i i think you look at you just look around especially if you're in the afc and you're like if we get through Cincinnati and Kansas City, like we, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles and the 49ers, all these teams are good. Mm -hmm. The Giants are good too, not to, not to downplay them, but it's like, you feel like if you win the AFC, I mean, you're, you're going to be a fairly heavy favorite in the Super Bowl. It, it, I just sort of wonder if like Josh Allen is, you know, people ask Joe Burrow, like, you know, was the, the window for you to win the Super Bowl? It's like, my, it's my whole career. I sort of wonder if Josh Allen and the Bills might be pressing a little bit more than some of the other teams that we have in the postseason. Mm hmm. Certainly feels that way. Um, we are going to get the Chiefs Jaguars in a second, but the Jaguars fans are going to get mad at me. Just wait. We're going to talk about the Jaguars winning the game in a second. But <laughs> if if the Chiefs win their game, if you're Andy Reid, if you're Patrick Mahomes, would you rather play the Bills in the AFC Championship game or would you rather play Cincinnati Bengals? Because remember, Bills game, neutral field, Bengals game, at Arrowhead, 
But Bengals game, team that's beaten you three times over the past two years. Mm. Yeah, it's like the Bills can't. I'm trying to think what the, the 1990s NBA comp is for this because like it's like the, you know, the 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 Chiefs are the the bad boy Pistons, right? And Josh Allen's MJ. Yeah. Who are the who are the who are the Bengals? Like the Reggie Miller's Pacers? I don't know. I don't know. It's not them. I, I don't know who. You know what I mean? Like I don't know who it is. It's it's crazy right. that that the Chiefs have just kind of not that they figured out. The the, the the Bengals, excuse me, they haven't figured out the Chiefs, but, mm-hmm. you know, Lou Anaruma, the Bengals defensive coordinator, has done a tremendous job in terms of how he's approached Patrick Mahomes, especially with these halftime adjustments. And Joe Burrow, that's the other thing, too, about this this Bills-Bengals game and, and if, you know, if the Bengals win and the Bengals-Chiefs is like, I think Joe Burrow takes it personally that, that he's not put in the same mm-hmm. stratosphere as Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes when people mm-hmm. are talking about the elite AFC quarterbacks. Now, you know, Mahomes has a Super Bowl. Um, but you know, Burrow's been to one, and Allen hasn't. I, I think I think he take you know it's it's the old MJ meme like, I, and I took that personally. That's mm-hmm. that's where Joe Burrow is. So I, mean, I can't. I think you'd rather see the Bills. I don't. That seems that's it. I think you'd rather see the the Bengals because it's at home and they have that banged up offensive line, and you know you can beat them. It just hasn't gone your way the last three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, my answer is Bengals, but I like I I think the Bengals will go in full of confidence that they can win an arrow again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, who do you think wins this game? I am. I have a. You know, sometimes Bill in this business, <laughs> you have to get the hedge. No, you sometimes just gotta. You gotta. You gotta. You make a pick, and you sort of get this feeling in the pit of your stomach that you're just wrong, and <laughs> the team you want to win is gonna lose, and you just go with the pick anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna go with the Bengals to win. Ooh, outright. Uh, the line movement, it's climbed up to five and a half, as you mentioned. Certainly concerning. The offensive line issues are absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think you know, if there's a matchup that you can maybe get through with what they've got in terms of that, those offensive line problems, it's you know, if they if they come out and do what we're saying they should do, which is what they started to do against the Bills the first time, mm-hmm. and let Joe Burrow cook in short yardage, mm-hmm. and let that defense you know kind of get after Josh Allen, and he plays a little hero ball and makes some mistakes, I think the Bengals could go into Buffalo and win this game. And again, I think they'll have a chip on the shoulder. Uh, I'll take the Bengals to win. A little nervous about it. Yeah, I would be too. Um, (laughs) I I just picture DeMar Hamlin coming out before the game and the Bills returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown again. And then you just feel like you've lit your money on fire. Yes. Especially especially when it's uh, my my, my buddy Naheem Hunt from NC State. There you go. Disrespectful, if anything, for Naheem Hines to you, knowing you picked the Bengals, but maybe disrespectful that you picked the, the Bengals over your friend Naheem Hines and the Buffalo Bills. Fair, it's fair, Bill. Fair. Who do you have? I have the Bills, but it's only because I picked Bills Niners to win the Super Bowl or to play in the Super Bowl for the season. Ooh. And so I have to stick with that, even as it gets more and more dangerous for me to do so. I'm, I, by the way, I'm, I would, I'll pour one out here because it's, it's not going to happen now that the. Oh, no. Oh, no, uh, Lamar Jackson didn't play. So my 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 prediction of the first ever all bird Super Bowl between the uh, Ravens and the Eagles is now the dream is officially dead after Joe Burrow uh, took, took. Actually, I guess Sam Hubbard technically took yeah. care of business against the. Well, you didn't Lamar pick Jackson. the Chargers. So that's progress. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. That's, that's true. People, I, I've been like doing like a couple like like ra- like radio hits or like TV shows, and people are like, you know, as the one of the foremost experts in chargering, <laughs> what do you think about that Jaguars game? I'm like, I, I'm glad that my reputation precedes me. That's, that's fantastic. That everyone knows that I'm a Chargers honk who just let the like kept missing the football, like, like you know, losing Charlie Brown year after year. Well, we're gonna have our support network at the Super Bowl, so that'll be nice. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We do. Uh, it's. 
I mean, wait, it's, it's you, me, Greg Rosenthal, Mina Kimes, and Mina Mark Kimes. Nessler, I feel like. Yeah, I'm, pretty much. <laughs> the primary suckers who keep yeah. the Chargers. Yeah, we're uh, going to light a candle. We'll, we'll, we'll remark on Chargerings should, of old. We should, uh, we should, we should go have like a, a half empty cocktail somewhere when they, whenever they hire the new offensive coordinator, whoever it is. <laughs> you know, it's going to be disappointing, whoever it is. It's be terribly disappointing. Mm, we will see. Well, how many teams need offensive coordinators now? Ten? Yeah, uh, with the with Byron Lovich and uh, um, uh, Greg Greg, R- Roman? Greg Roman, uh resigned. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Resigned. Mm-hmm-hmm. Well, ten. There's got to be ten good offensive coordinators out there. I don't think any teams will have trouble. Oh yeah, I mean it's easy to find. Yeah, especially when like Daryl Bevel's refusing, like declining to interview for the Washington team and the and the Jets. It's like you know your situation is tough when. The passing game coordinator for the Dolphins is declining to interview for your offensive coordinator job. Like you, you know are, what this means? Yeah, Adam Gase, he's no, out no. there. No. Someone there's there's ten seats open. He's he's that tenth person. Peyton Manning will give him a glowing recommendation. His wife will not, unfortunately. His Ooh. wife leave. Oh, well, he's just right. He's See, the he one who had that story. No, he's, 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 yeah. Remember he. he, he he left Thanksgiving. He said, I, he left the hospital. He left the hospital at, after his child was born. It's like, we're good here. Okay. And then he beat Peyton Manning to the facility for practice. Did he Did he say, did, did we joke about that? Or did he say, we're good here, right? Like, or did he, I feel like he actually said that. I believe the actual quote is, we're good here. We're good here? Good? Cool. All right. See you later. Uh, and then he then he had the one against the um, the game. It was when he was with the Jets, I think, and they were maybe against the, they were against the Bengals before they drafted Burrow. Mm-hmm. And he 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 was like, I skipped Thanksgiving dinner to prep for this game and put this game plan together, and they they scored like four points. <laughs> the terrible Bengals team. He was he was I believe in the same article. I think it was an athletic article, if I'm not mistaken, um, about Adam Gase. He said when he was head coach of the Dolphins, he would just order a pepperoni pizza for dinner every night. Which I mean, I'm not not going to say I would not that personally, but it doesn't seem like it's conducive to family life. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's the way you want to do it. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna let's see if I can find this really quick. Ah, oh, where is yes. it, Pete? Um, Pete, Pete Briscoe. I mean, this is you know, if, he, if, if he hears that I did this and talked about this, he's gonna, he's gonna kill me. But that, I don't really care. Um, oh yeah, I, I'm gonna read this really quickly. This is from 2017 when Case was with the Dolphins. Okay. This is Pete's coaching coach ranks. In fact, we we goaded Pete into ranking all the coaches at the uh, at the owners meetings. We were like, "You won't do it. You won't do it with him here. You you only do it when you're hit, like hiding at your house." He's like, "I'll do it right yes. now. I'll do it tonight." <laughs> Wrote the article. Adam Gase was eighth in the NFL. Wow, he is a star in the making. Gase took over the Dolphins last season. He got a team hardly stacked with talent to ten to six on the house. He has great give and take with his players, knowing when to push and when to pull back. He's also a great offensive mind, which you need in this league today. One more thing. He is a maniac when it comes to working, which can be seen in his preparation. A few years from now, he might top this list when Belichick retires if he can keep it going forward. <laughs> I mean, I remember Dol- Dolphins fans being very mad at me for suggesting that Adam Gase was not, not a genius after that first season when they... They had like a negative point differential. Like the most obvious like, all-back regression team. <laughs> like, yeah, and then they signed everyone from that roster to extensions, and they're like, "Oh, this is great. We're bringing the boys back." And it turned out uh, the boys were actually not that good. That was that was the Jay Cutler season. Yeah, God, season. what a what a. I mean, just call getting Cutler's like, "Hey, listen, Fox, uh, I appreciate it, but um, <laughs> I'm good. Ten million bucks. I get to get play a year with my boys." I mean, he didn't go back. 
I was talking about that yesterday with somebody. Jay Cutler yeah. had that Fox deal and then signed a one-year $10 million contract to go play for the Dolphins. Was terrible or was bad. Not about terrible, he was bad. He, and he, then, was, he was about he was about what you would think a mid-30s quarterback coming out of the of the, of the, the Fox C booth to, to well, switch the Dolphins to you. The other thing is like you think about the quarterbacks who are staying and like, you know, who are like like really focused on football, who you feel like, oh yeah, this is a guy who is absolutely living and breathing <laughs> yeah. football every single day. Jay Cutler. If you were ranking them, Cutler would certainly be in the bottom quartile. In terms of guys who you're like, okay, if they're coming out of retirement, they're going to be ready to go the next day. Does not feel like Jay no. Cutler is that guy. Maybe he is. I, I don't know. I don't know Jay Cutler personally. I, I kind of love Jay Cutler, honestly, though. Oh, he's great. Yeah, like I like I like the whole ethos of Jay Cutler. I don't know if like you've, you've heard the story about him, like the or the I think maybe it's an urban legend or an urban myth, but him and like the. He's like at the bar bathroom. He's like standing in there at the at the urinal, and he's you know, using the bathroom. And some guys like in the the urinal next to him. He's like Jay, oh my god, Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler. And Jay like tilts his head back and goes, "Don't care." Just I don't, I don't care if it's not true. I want it. I I will believe that it's true. I'll go to my grave believing it's true. Absolutely, absolutely, anyway. totally understand. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Jags. And I promised earlier that after disparaging the Jags by suggesting the Chiefs would have a preference without even playing this Jaguars game first. Let's talk about this from the Jags perspective. Jaguars, Jaguars lost 27-17 to the Chiefs in week 10. A late touchdown got them within 10. Was a comfortable victory for Kansas City. So Will, if we're sitting here Monday morning and we're talking about how the Jaguars upset the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed in the AFC, What's the most likely way it happens? Oh, man. Um, by the way, shout out to my uh, aunt and uncle, Susan and Rick Broder, going from Jacksonville to Kansas City for this game. Wow. Dedication. Hashtag Duval. Um, <laughs> hope you guys get some good barbecue and enjoy the time. I have a sneaking suspicion that the barbecue will be better than the football, but that's just mm. uh, that's just me. I, I think, I mean, I just think, Bill, that, um, I mean, one, you know, the, the, uh, Grasshopper has to overcome the sensei, right? Doug Peterson's got to outcoach Andy Reid. Right. That's not easy for former backup quarterback and former OC. Uh, I, I went on. I went. On, my bold prediction for this game is that the um, that Andy Reid will run the Philly special on Doug Peterson, which is just <laughs> like epic troll levels if he, mm. if he did that. Um, you know, I I think essentially the Jaguars have to play a perfect game, mm-hmm. and you have to force Patrick Mahomes into. I don't know if you have to force him into making turnovers you have to do and i don't know what the answer to, for this is because i don't think there's a really clear-cut answer but you yeah. essentially have to um prevent him from constantly converting all those third third and medium third and longs yep. that he just finds a way to get done when he gets out of the pocket whether it's with his legs or whether it's you know with those those you know these ridiculous uh arm slot throws mm-hmm. um you have to do that, and you have to not turn the ball over five times in the first half. That, that, that will go a long way, too, I think. I mean, that's a good start, certainly. Avoiding five takeaways in the first half is a great way to help your chances of winning. But we did see them. The Jaguars had to play a perfect half in the second half of that game, and they pretty much did. I can't think of maybe, maybe that one uh, unnecessary roughness call that was nonsense was maybe yeah. the one not perfect thing they did, but they were pretty dang good after halftime or you know on that final drive of the first half and then th- after halftime to to come back and win that game in regulation didn't even need overtime to overcome that lead and i think 
one of the other things that comes to mind for me that maybe is a little scary is that you know doug doug peterson man he's gonna go for it like he is yeah. gonna be aggressive he is gonna know hey i'm the underdog we have to play like underdogs whereas andy reed i mean I know we had that moment in the Super Bowl a few years ago where they were aggressive on fourth down and ended up helping them win the game. But I do kind of feel like he's been conservative in those situations this year. Maybe he won't be in the postseason, but it just sort of feels like if it comes down to a close fourth down decision or game management or clock management, I, I kind of trust Doug Peterson more than I trust Andy Reid. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we saw him do it. We saw Andy Reid do that too against the Browns a few years ago with Chad Henney. Remember that fourth and um, yes, they, they lined up the Browns to beat the Steelers and the Chiefs uh, lined they up Tyreek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just hit, hit him. Oh, that's right. Hit him on the quick hitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I agree. I agree. I think that's I think that is a really fascinating point to this because Doug Peterson, I mean, he is uh, as aggressive as they come. And he he know. I mean, he knows that he is going to have to be hyper aggressive against a Chiefs team that is simply better than the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. You cannot. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, and, and this is where it gets weird too, Bill, because it's like, you know, wh what if you get a fourth and one on your own 35, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you, you can, you can think, all right, we got to go for it. we got to extend these possessions. We've got to keep the, you know, keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's what you want to do. You want to score points yourself, of course. And, and you do that by holding the football at the same time. It's like, you know, that could, you have two, you have two fourth downs that go south for you. Mm-hmm early on the game and it's like you're just down 21 nothing all of a sudden right that, that that's the other side of this though is that i feel like when you're the chargers yeah i could see you getting out to a 27 nothing lead and then blowing it by playing terrible football i don't think the chiefs are going to make that same mistake if they get out to Correct. an early lead but another question i have for you will i went back and looked eight of their last 10 postseason games the kansas city chiefs they've trailed in the first half, sometimes by more than two touchdowns in the first half. And one of the games they they didn't trail in the first half was that game against the Bengals that they ended up losing in the second half of the game, where they did have that happen to them. So is there any reason you can think of that comes to mind that makes you feel like it justifies why the Chiefs seem to get out to slow starts in these playoff games? Is it just random chance? Is it something about... Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes, like why are they always playing from behind in the first quarter? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, like I, I don't, I, I really don't. It's, and we've seen it repeatedly. It, I mean, it's not like they, it's not like the Chiefs don't, and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes don't know how to script gate, like script the opening plays well. I mean, this is a team right. that you know has a lead offense. Um, I wonder if it's almost maybe a, a, a sort of like a. I guess a boxing analogy where your strategy is to sort of feel out your opponent instead of being the aggressor and coming in and trying to take some swings early on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of all I've got. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to it, but they have been slow starters. You know, maybe part of it too, is that, you know, when you're, when you're Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and you know, you can come back from anything. Does it change your mindset a little knowing that, you know, you're like, not, not, not that you're like not trying yeah. harder early on, but you're, you know, you're you're maybe less intensely focused at the start of the game because you 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 know that you are so so proficient at coming back in these spots. I don't. You don't feel alive until you're down ten nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Look, I know both of those like answers are stupid, but I, I mean, do, do you? I, like, I'm not. I'm, I mean, there's a reason I, I asked you the question. I don't have. I know. Answer. I know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's like a rational 
reason for it because we've seen them plenty of times in the regular season just come out guns blazing. Okay. Um, you know, this will be, by the way, this will, you know, I mean, not, not, not nothing. I mean, this is the first playoff game for some of these, you know, newer, like I mean, Juju's played in the playoffs, I believe, right? With the Steelers, yeah, but, but not Kadarius Tony. Yeah. No Kadarius Tony, his first playoff game. Um, Marcus Scantling's played in, you know, I mean, it's, there's not Tyreek Hill out there. I mean, it's, I mean, this is just a thought there that, you know, if, yeah, maybe Mahomes takes a deep shot, a drop. You know, you get one of those Christian Watson or first drops, you know, style mm-hmm. like that. And you know, the Tyree Kill would have housed, and and all of a sudden, you know, the Jaguars turn around, get a touchdown, and, and you can get the get a weird environment in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, weird mix. You have that Chiefs history getting behind early. You also have the Andy Reid bye week phenomenon. Andy Reid with 10 days or more of rest, 30 and 6 as an NFL head coach will. Is the Andy Reid bye week phenomenon a real thing or just randomness? Oh, it's a real thing. I mean, you're really? talking about you're talking about a highly prepared uh, NFL head coach mm-hmm. who, um, you know, who's who's won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, one of the more, I mean, I think it's fair to say one of the best offensive minds of the last, uh, I mean, thirty years, twenty five years, whatever you want to call it. I mean, of this course. guy is, you know, I mean, he's just he is just an elite offensive mind and. I think that his preparation and what he can do offensively and schematically with some of the stuff, especially in the red zone, you know, whether the, the, the ring around the rosy thing, right. A couple of weeks ago, I mean, this is a team that just has, it's, it's a, it's a line from, you know, the line from the original, the best Batman, like, where does he get these wonderful toys? You know, that's, <laughs> that's Mahomes and Reed. I mean, it's like, this guy's just got a belt at a, like a Batmobile loaded with options. So I, I think that having that extra time to prepare, no, uh, knowing, I guess you didn't know until the last minute because when the Jaguars won, but you knew, you knew you were either playing the Jags or did they know that or was that Saturday? Uh, I believe that's Saturday. But but they knew if the Bills won, that they would be playing the. I can't keep up with the time. Anymore, they, the, they, they 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 could fairly assume, given that the Dolphins and Ravens yes. were playing backup quarterbacks, that they were going to be playing the Jags once. The Correct. That, that was thank you. That was that was what I was trying to get to. Is that they. They knew that they were either going to be playing the Chargers, who they've played mm-hmm. two times already this year and are intimately familiar with, or they're going to be playing Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they also already played once and, and beat. And 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 you know you have you know all this history right with Doug Peterson. So I think like the fact that he got this extra week mm-hmm. with two teams, he you know you, you obviously you don't you don't dive in on prep for the you know the Jaguars until they actually win, but you you have to assume that Andy Reid spent a large portion of his. Uh, prep time expecting to see one of these two defenses and one of these two offenses and so i think that is a pretty massive edge for them yeah and they're both teams that the chiefs already played this year if it was going to be the four or five team five seeds um which i can't hurt either because you already have some prep from you know the prior game you kind of know okay this worked this didn't work this is what we can play off of you know that doesn't hurt either yeah i mean it's i mean yeah there's a reason why the number one seed is so coveted you know, yeah, you get the absolutely. buy, you get, you get an extra week of prep, you know, you get an extra week of rest and you're, you're given that extra week of prep and rest to the best coach and the best, I think right now the best coach in football and the best quarterback in football. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, are you picking the chiefs here? Yes. I think the chiefs will actually win by uh, more than nine points. Wow. Okay. So 10 plus point victory for and the chiefs. If one were inclined Actually, you know, I can just say this, right? Sure. Okay, I don't have to like dance around. Yeah. No. Uh, if one, if, 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 if there's a really obvious and good teaser out there, 
Ooh. You get the Chiefs down to two and a half, and you get the Eagles down to one and a half. Ooh, the Wong teaser from Old Will Wong Brinson. teaser, right through, right through those key numbers, Bill. Mm. Um, you're gonna, you will see a lot of if if either one of those teams are if if the Chiefs if the Chiefs win, because then the Giants or the Eagles and Giants will be on, on Sunday, mm. right? And, and the Giants are winning. It's gonna be like, you're gonna see Giants are killing everyone's teasers from like 400 <laughs> gambling like people on Twitter. Some of us had Buccaneers plus eight and a half with the teaser oh, on no. Monday Night Will. And Tom, Brady, out, Tom Brady did it at 30. Turn, turns out the key number for that game was 24 and a half, not, not, not <laughs> three and seven, unfortunately. Um, I agree. I think the Jaguars are competitive. I think they throw the ball pretty well. Uh, but I do think the Chiefs pull this out. This is the worst tight end defense in football by QBR against Travis Kelsey. So keep that in mind as you think about this matchup this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Um, NFC, Cowboys Niners. Let's start with Dak. Dak had been struggling with takeaways for two months, and then he has, by QBR, the second best game by any quarterback all season. Wow. And the blowout victory over the Bucks. If I asked you what the number one game was, you could get fifty guesses, and I don't think you would get it. Um. Okay. Now I just want one guess. One guess. Um. Best by QBR. Best by QBR. Which in, which I will. Um. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It includes rushing. It includes rushing. It includes rushing. I, it includes rushing. You didn't want to hint. say that because you were worried it would give it away that it was Daniel uh, Jones. That is a hint. Is it Daniel Jones? Probably not. I. You have one guess. I'm not gonna. Not gonna okay, give you multiple um, guesses. Oh goodness gracious! Oh, uh, oh, oh gosh! There's some didn't somebody some quarterback run for a hundred yards? 
Justin Fields ran for 100 yards more than once. Okay. Uh, I, I will guess Daniel Jones did it. I don't know which game I'm guessing, but I'll just, I'll just blindly guess that because I think that would be funny. Well, the answer is Daniel Jones. <laughs> yes. What? Daniel Jones, week 17 against the Colts. Why didn't I say week 17? What a dummy. Mm, only a couple weeks ago. Oh man, now I'm, I feel now I'm mad because I like there's no way I really should not have gotten that. Not not huge numbers. Remember, it's a it's a per play basis. But Daniel Jones, 19 of 24 for 177, two touchdowns, 11 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns. So four scores, ran the ball effectively, very efficient as a passer. Competition, admittedly, not that great. But overall, even after you adjust for the competition, Daniel Jones, the number one performance of 2022. But then Dak right behind him unbelievable with a dominant performance against the bucks so given that he had been struggling given what you saw against the buccaneers where do you stand right now on Dak and this cowboys offense how much faith do you have in them as they go to play one of the toughest defenses if not the toughest defense in football in the san francisco 49ers yeah i mean look it's hard not to you don't you know i don't want to write off the cowboys i think it's i think it's i think it's easy to Make our Mike McCarthy in the playoff jokes. You know, you get very conservative. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry, I, sorry. I just have to erase five or six questions here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's hilarious is that you know he had that um, the, you know the the fourth down where they're they're up uh where they so they're up eighteen, mm-hmm. and it's like if he, you know he hundred percent kicks that ball to go up twenty one. <laughs> Brett Maher had like shanked five or four extra points already. Uh, yes. and, and instead, he has he runs to play to CD Lamb for the touchdown. And I, I like initially, I was like, "Oh my god, Mike McCarthy turned a corner." I was like, uh, Breach was like, "Dude, Brett Maher can't make it." <laughs> <laughs> that kick, Brett Maher is ha- having an emotional crisis in front of uh, America right now. Right. Um, it's like having like stuck on the range. You're just shaking ball after ball, yes. ball in front of the like on live national television. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do sort of wonder if like that. Does it force his hand to be a little more aggressive, though? It should. I mean, the Cowboys did bring in, uh, I think it was Tristan Vizcaino to yeah. uh, compete with Maher this week. I, I I don't think, to me, it's like, even if you think he's going to be fine, I think once you have that hesitation in your head of, we don't know that we can trust him, like, it might make you more aggressive. But I think it also means that you have to change your kicker. Like, I just think, like, you're just putting yourself in such a vulnerable position that you feel like your offense is kind of compromised. And I think, um, I don't think Mike McCarthy sees aggressiveness as a virtue. So I don't oh. think for his perspective, he would see it as like, oh, this is a good opportunity for me to be a better coach. Like, I think he sees it as, oh no, like <laughs> yeah, we're going to have limited right. options. Like, He's like, oh crap. And I think that's a big difference. And so I, I mean, I'm inclined to think that they should be more aggressive. And I think if they do have Meyer out there, they will be. But I almost feel like once you decide it's not Mar, then you should be going to Vizcaino or somebody else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing too is like, and I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think Mike McCarthy's job is probably safe, but, you know, if you, you trot out Maher and you miss, you know, misses four extra points to the field goal or, or, you know, he misses two field goals and an extra point mm-hmm. and you lose by, you know, five points, you're going to get roasted sure. by everybody. Of course. And, and should Jerry be. Jones is going to hear it and he's going to see it. And Sean Payton is out there making as much noise <laughs> as humanly possible about every job on the planet, even though we all know you're not taking him, Sean. Just, you don't think he's going to be the Texans coach? I don't think he's going to take the Panthers job, Bill. I, just, I, don't, I don't think that's in the cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And then look, if David Tepper gives him $25 million and says, go do whatever you want to get a quarterback, maybe I'm wrong. But okay. If you if you were David Tepper, number one, congratulations. Number two, wouldn't you do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you wrote, I, I've, I've said this to people all the time. You wrote about it for uh, Grantland way back in the day, Bill. Um, so uh, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. When, when, 
it, it was like it is it's 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 like a legal salary cap circumvent circumvention to pay a pay a coach as much as you, you there's no cap you can you can pay a coach as much as you want offer Sean Payton thirty million dollars a year like what do you care you're you know you're printing money as the owner of the Panthers yes all you want to do is win. And this guy, and people are saying, "Oh, you know, he's not worth that." Like people are like, poo "Dude, Sean Payton's one of the best. Like he would immediately be a top five coach in the NFL." I mean, look what happened to the Saints this year. Yeah, it's not even a question to me. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a no brainer. If I was a terrible football team that needed a head coach, I would simply offer Sean Payton so much money that he didn't have a choice but to accept the job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you already you already you already like snuck out from under this disastrous Matt Rule contract because you get. <laughs> Seven-year deal from Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, just take take the take the take the it's a free roll. Take the mulligan and go pay Sean Payton fifty million dollars a year. I mean, who yeah. Cares? I mean, literally, billion. just hand him hand him a blank check and say, uh, "Whatever you want, we're going to do that." Um, you figure out the trade to Mickey Loomis. Yes. You figure out whatever you want to do with Scott Fitterer. You hire him, fire him, make him the 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 the, the, the sale the vendor like the head of vending. We don't care. And then do whatever you want to find a quarterback. Your quarterback, you pick. You want to take a ninth? Go for it. You want to take you want to trade for Aaron Rodgers? Knock yourself out. Do whatever you want. You're in charge here. Make it happen. Give me some wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, anyway, back to back. Yeah. That's uh, that's you can any any bizarre tangent you can obviously just pawn off on me. Yes, that's fine. Um, but Dak, do you feel like you're good? Like you feel like like we're getting gonna get a you know the normal. Are, are your expectations for Dak are relatively normal heading into this game? Do you think they're better than you would be for a typical Dak game because of how he played last week? Or do you think I, it's kind of the broader sample says, mm, he's kind of been struggling? I think that the expectations for Dak, generally speaking, will be a lot higher than they probably should be based solely on how he performed in Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. And Tampa was just awful, dreadful. against. I mean, they, and they, look, Dallas was fantastic on offense. They were pushing they fired. Forward. They fired almost literally their entire coaching staff after the game. <laughs> yes, that's true, except for the head coach. By the way, like I thought it sort of, and you know, sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of this too, but it's like, you know, when I, I pick the box, I bet on the box, um, you know, you, you, you sort of, you know, talk yourself in and you're like, well, like, you know, like there, there was the, the Dallas, Dallas won that game. Like there's no, well, if this had happened and this had happened, I mean, they Dallas kicked their ass. Right. But having said that, um, I mean, the Dallas receivers made a ton of really big catches, like in really big spots where I don't, not that they can't do it because they're very talented, but I don't know that it's like a replicable thing from like over the, over the entirety of like a postseason. So if they don't make some of those catches, you get some drops, you know, you get just a, like the catches are a little off and like they, they just held on these balls and that where it's like, I, it just felt like more than usual for a team. Now, if they play like that against, against San Francisco, can they win? Absolutely. But San Francisco defense is much, much better than Tampa Bay's. And the biggest injury that is sort of flying under the radar right now, Jason Peters, not at practice on Thursday. That makes it kind of a long shot. He's got to get back to practice on Friday if he's going to play, I would guess. And if he doesn't play, that really changes things for this team in terms of protection uh, with, with a very nasty pass rush from San Francisco. Yeah, and I mean, I think even if Peters does play, number one, he is less yeah. than 100%. Number two, he's 41 years old. And number three, last week was the first time all season he was playing left tackle. Like, this <laughs> is a line that is very much in flux from week to week. And even though the names are impressive, I don't know that they're getting the most out of those names relative to what you might think. Like Tyron Smith is a, a Hall of Fame tackle. 
Yeah. He's playing right tackle right now. He allowed one and a half sacks in four games to end the season. He's not, to me, the Tyron Smith you think of when you close your eyes and think, oh, that's the that's that's that dude at left tackle. He's not that guy right now. So and, and me, by the way, I, I can attest, 41 didn't feel good. I mean, I mean feels fine. Feels fine. He, last like last year he was okay with the Bears. I think he had one really bad game that kind of got, you know, got got right. memed a lot, but wasn't like he was sitting there at 40 and everyone's saying, oh, he's Andrew Whitworth. You know, like he's he's still playing at a super high level. It was like, oh, he was a free agent beginning of the year because there wasn't really a big market for his services. Like I I I think this could be a mismatch for the 49ers defensive line. And I think that's when we've seen Dak struggle is when the offensive line has not been able to hold up. And if that is the case, and I, I think you're spot on with that, that that's a possibility. If that is the case, I, I don't, I think, look, Dallas, Dallas defense is good too. Dan Quinn, by the way, Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan, revenge game here, sort of, you know, if you, if you're, if you're into such narratives, um, like, oh, that's true. Yeah. They're right. The, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, that they blame each other for not winning the Super Bowl. Um, uh, I think you will see the 49ers score. I think there's gonna be points in this game. A lot of points. I'm, I'm taking the over as one of my better be- best bets, but like mm-hmm. if, if the Niners do what you're saying and get pressure on Dak early, and if they score, it is going to lead to a massive amount of Dak passing attempts mm-hmm. in less than optimal situations. Again, you go back to you know, we're talking about with Burrow and the and the Bills. It, it, you know, it's called offense for a reason. You know, you want to be on the offensive when you are. You don't want to be trying to come back and being forced to drop back every single time with the 49ers pinning their ears back. I think if that becomes the case, then the Niners could really turn this into an ugly game. Mm-hmm. In terms of the guy on the other side of the field, Brock Purdy, the cop-out answer is to say, well, he's playing well, but it's also a product of the offense. I don't want to do a cop-out answer on this show, Will. I want to know what you actually think. Like, is think, Brock... Sorry. You know you know where I'm getting. Yeah, is, is, is Brock Purdy good? Is Brock Purdy actually good, or is it strictly a product of the people around him and the head coach making the play calls. I, I think it is always disingenuous when people refer to somebody as a system quarterback sure. because every quarterback is in a system. Like that's, that's true. the whole point. You are in an offensive system like designed. And what we've seen over years and years of covering the NFL and, and just watching football is that a lot of times a good, a talented quarterback can go somewhere and not thrive because the system around him isn't, you know, doesn't fit to what his characteristics and strengths and weaknesses are. And that's what Kyle Shanahan does really well is he caters to the strengths of his quarterback. Now, I think what people are missing is that Brock Purdy, much like Jimmy Garoppolo, may not be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. He's not a physical freak, but he makes good decisions and he makes those decisions really quickly. And that's what you need to be in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Like, of course, You'd rather have, you know, the athletic traits of Trey Lance operating with the mind of Jimmy G or Brock Purdy. You haven't seen that to be the case, right? But but if you if if you do, if you don't and you go back and think about what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan offenses, Matt freaking Schaub led the league in passing yards with mm. the Houston Texans in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Mm. Ryan Hoyer and the Cleveland Browns were in first place in like week 10 of the AFC North, like the Browns, like unheard of for the Browns, uh, until Alex Mack broke his leg. All these pieces work in cohesion together. Are they are they loaded around Brock Purdy? Of course they are. They have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Chris McCaffrey, like three of the biggest unicorns in football at their respective positions. And 
they're all on the same roster. Like, and that's not even mentioning Brandon Ayuk, who is a true, I think, a true number one wide receiver, or at least the caliber of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, to Purdy is, you're not, you're not trying to be some superhero who just dominates. You were trying to be a point guard and a distributor. And people mm-hmm. can get mad that the ball is, you know, given to Chris McCaffrey or Debo Samuel with the line of scrimmage, or that guys are running wide open. But Brock Purdy's still making the decisions in the moment, and he's reacting quickly, and he's doing it in a smart and efficient way. And I think does, is the offense beneficial for quarterbacks? Hell yeah, it is. But but you have to be like you have to make the good decisions, and you have to make them quickly. And Brock Purdy does that. His processing speed is really good, and that's that's why the Niners are still winning games. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, I think that's totally fair. Um, so yes, I, yes, he's good. I think I think he's good. I think he. I, I think. I think this is a game where, given how good the Cowboys' pass rush is, mm-hmm. I feel like if he plays the same way in this game, we can't keep asking this question. Like, yeah, it's been it's been six starts. He's been good in every single one of them, often very good, better than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance were in the same offense, which raises a whole other uh, set of issues. And, and by the way, look, he was shaky at, at first again that in that first playoff game against Seattle. Like he was. He had a couple of throws where it was a little iffy. But yeah, I mean, like, but he's like the first like couple of series is like, oh, here comes the rookie game. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, of course he's nervous. He's Mr. Irrelevant playing in the playoffs. Like, right. Right. And, and there'll probably be moments in this game. That was that was like the most impressive thing is how well he settled down, Bill. Mm-hmm. And he just and he got in the groove and he and he's got this. I mean, I mean, a 41-year-old man should not be using this phrase, but I'm gonna do it. Like he has a confident swagger about him. A Joe Burrow-esque confident swagger, Indeed. perhaps. Um, one more question on this game. We'll finish up with the Giants Eagles game. Most likely to impact this game, Nick Bosa or Micah Parsons? Um, I think most likely to impact it is Nick Bosa. I think the biggest impact would be Micah Parsons in terms of shifting the game. But I, I'm I'm picking the Niners to win the game and to cover. I think it'll be a shootout. Dallas will score some points late if, if they have to. But um, if Dallas wants to win, the answer needs to be Micah Parsons. I think the answer will be Nick Bosa. Mm, I agree. I agree. Um, Giants Eagles. Let's let's have the Daniel Jones conversation. Congratulations, Bill. I don't know. I you don't got know. a franchise quarterback. Uh seems like we do the past month, but Daniel Jones doesn't throw the ball very often. He is the shortest average pass distance of anybody in football. And I will say this: like, I think Daniel Jones is playing very well. Though, like, general excitement about the Giants is you know they're better than expected over the second half of the season they they were two five and one (laughs) their wins were over the commanders and the colts sorry the texans as well they were three five and one over the second since over there by the texans the colts and the commanders were the three victories tied the commanders as well so not exactly the stiffest slate of opposing teams they beat and then yes they beat the vikings on the road in the wild card round but the vikings by dvoa were worse than the broncos this season they wow. were the sixth worst team in football is that, so is that right i didn't see i didn't is, see the final is, oh my god that is correct so like i'm gonna i'm gonna say the giants have reasons to be happy with how they've performed i think they're reasons to be optimistic about the future I don't know that this is a team playing especially great football right now, even though they did just win a playoff game. All right, Bill, I've been saying this for the past few weeks, maybe even like the months. Um, but I don't think I've talked to you about this, and I'm curious what you think about it. 
my theory is that the 2022 Giants are basically the second coming of the 2017 Buffalo Bills. Mm, I have I have mentioned that before, and I liked it, but the Bills lost their first playoff game, and the Giants won it. But the the Vikings might be the 2017 Bills too. That is the other part of <laughs> That's it. The problem. It's the Spider Man meme, but with the 2017. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is Nathan Peterman, and I guess Daniel Jones is Tyler Taylor. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the the playoff win. And, and look, like I, I was, I was, I was banging the table for that too. And then it was like, oh wait, the Giants. I mean, the Vikings might be that team too. And it's you know this eleven and zero one score team. I mean, you, we've you know how many times have we talked about you know, one score games? How many times you've written about it? It's like it's mm-hmm. gonna come back to bite you at some point, and it did in in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I just it, it, the point being is, I think that the a large se- uh, a section of the giant of Giants fans are. Are saying like I mean I've heard people say this it like, feels like 2011 all over again. It's like does it? <laughs> does it? I mean, I, I didn't really I, feel like 2011. The only difference is I had no faith in the team either. But I I had no faith in those teams for different reasons than the little faith I have in this Giants team. Yeah, I mean, right, and like it just I mean look the, the, there are really the, the pass rush is is really intriguing for the Giants. I think I think in my point about the 2017 Bills by the way is that if I'm a Giants fan. I am ecstatic about mm-hmm. the future for this franchise. Joe Shane looks like he knows what he's doing from a, a, a talent acquisition perspective. Brian Dable is, I mean, very clearly a good, uh, an objectively good NFL mm-hmm. head coach. And you have those two guys in lockstep. They came from Buffalo. They know how to build a program. You know, they know how to build around. A, they saw Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean build this infrastructure and, and then drop Josh Allen into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they made Daniel Jones play well. And so the future is really bright. I, I think, by the way, Dexter Lawrence, holy crap. I'm so glad. Yeah. I mean, I hate, I hate that Dave, I mean, I knew I, I had, I had that pick nailed to like, to the T. I knew Dave Gettleman was going to take him with that second first round pick. It was so obvious. He's a quintessential Dave Gettleman pick. I had it from like my first mock draft to my last mock draft, never flinched. And he, of course he took him. Um, Dexter Lawrence is from like 20 minutes North of where I live. He has, he is probably one of like the two best, prospects to ever come out of the state of North Carolina. And I I'm thrilled for him that he is living up to his immense talent and his, and what he did at Clemson. Cause it is hard to do it from that position, mm-hmm. especially when you're justifying that pick in the draft. Um, he is, he is, it came out. Tim is going to be awesome. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I think that this team can be a bit of a pain for the, the Eagles, but at the same time, it, I don't know that they're necessarily a great ma- – I don't think this is a great matchup for them. If Jalen Hurts is healthy, they should be able to get downhill on the Giants. And then you really force Daniel Jones with a – you know, like, I mean, a pass, or, you know, a skill position group that is has played better than we thought they would, but is not like elite by any stretch of the imagination. You, you really can put them into a, a spot where you're asking Daniel Jones to throw a ton, and it just could get ugly, ugly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I still think that – I don't like the Giants' chances if this is a game where Daniel Jones has to throw 40 or 45 times. It just does not seem like the best-case scenario for them. But Eagles' defense, certainly their strength right now, it feels like the numbers for them keeping quarterbacks from scrambling, not very good, um, which could be a concern. But then from the Eagles' side of things on offense, I think the concern is Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts, who ran the ball on a design run once yeah. in that week 18 victory over the Giants backups, to be clear, not the Giants starters. Are you concerned or ha- what is your level of concern 
that the Jalen Hurts we see who steps on the field in the divisional round game is more like the Jalen Hurts from week 18 versus the Jalen Hurts who was an MVP candidate before that shoulder injury. I think that if we see week 18 Jalen Hurts, it means that the Eagles are winning by 20 points. Um, if it is a close game in the second half, I, I anticipate that they will, um, or I, mean, I think they'll use some of it early on. You got to be careful too, because it's either you know, Jalen Hurts. I mean, my gosh, he is um, a, 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 I think it was a scout or a GM. Somebody told Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports before draft, he said that, and he was like, he said, look, I'm not saying this in a, I'm not saying this in a pejorative way. He's like, Jalen Hurts is the best running back in the Big 12. Um, he is a physical beast. Like, I would not want to tackle Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. But you know he, he doesn't run like Russell Wilson, right? He's not getting down. He's he's trying to run through you, and th- that's what I'm curious to see. How early would the? I think that's still no. How early will the Eagles implement him in that physical run game? Because or, or do they believe that they can win in a quote unquote traditional way? You know, less Jalen Hurts designed runs like they did in Week 18. You know, they've they've had the buy now, so he's got an extra week just to get a little bit healthier. Um, I would guess that they are going to try and win. You know, quote unquote, more traditionally, uh, and and if they can get a lead, you know, then you you just feed Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, in that run game. Um, you try and preserve because Brady Quinn told me that there's there's really nothing you can do. Like, you know, you just have to let the shoulder heal, and so it's really time. And you know, once you get past this game, you don't get any more time until you know the week off before the Super Bowl. So, um, I would guess that they're going to try and limit his number of design runs, the amount of contact he takes on the shoulder. But if it gets to the second half and the game is close, I would not be surprised at all if they started to kind of crank those up and, and he just powers through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely a possibility for the Eagles. I I guess let me ask you this. like, Is there any chance the Giants can win if Hurts is 100%? I don't think so. You don't I mean, think I mean so? yeah, of course there is. I mean, like, look, Dable's a great coach. You know, yeah, I mean, there is a, there is a path to it. It's just like that offense when Hertz is hundred percent and able to do what they do creatively and creatively in the run game, that physical style where, you know, you're doing the read options and, and it's just so much to defend. And as good as Don Martindale is like, I just don't know that I don't know that the giants necessarily have the personnel to lock down that run game and also, you know, stay true on the back end with AJ Brown, just beasting on people. Okay. So giants are seven and a half point underdogs as we record this podcast. Let's say you knew for sure that Jalen hurts was the guy from week 18, where he's only going to have one design run. He's not going to be a focal point of the running game. What would you set the line at between these two teams? Oh, I think it would shrink down to like six. So only a point and a half. Well, I mean, like he's not a key number, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think like, I, I think, Again, like this is by the way, this is the other side of the teaser leg. Like you make the Eagles one. I mean, it's that's what that's what kind of scares me is like every single person on the planet is going to have that teaser. It's called a teaser for a reason. Like, mm. um, yeah, I think I mean, but I mean, like, do we think that was Week 18 Jalen Hurts like really? I didn't feel like he was like necessarily. Like, he was like, fine he, as a passer. Yeah, exactly. And like we saw games this year, like the Steelers notably, they loaded up to stop the run and they just bombed to AJ Brown down the field. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I don't I wouldn't move the line that much, even if even if he's the guy who's not running a ton, because this is still a team with a very good offensive line, a, a very good traditional run game if they want to use it. Mm-hmm. Um and and the and like Devontae Smith has had a really nice year. I think it sort of flew under the radar because of AJ Brown's performance. Dallas Goddard back. This is the help the, the weapons that they have in that passing game are really lethal. So as long as he's healthy enough to um throw the way that he's thrown all year, 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd move the line a whole ton. A whole so lot. You have, you have Eagles and Niners, Chiefs and Bengals. I am if I'm not mistaken. All chalk. Yes. The Bengals are not chalk. Oh yeah, that's right. The Bengals are upset. There, there we go. So I'm all chalk. I have Bills instead of Bengals, but one of these teams is going to get upset. I don't know which, but we'll be back next week trying to explain why it happens. Will, until then, where can people check out your coverage of the NFL? Pick six podcast, a daily for the rest of time, every day. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want to say that. My bosses hate me for doing it. <laughs> um, we do a daily show every day on YouTube and, of course, the in podcast form. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Will Brinson. And, um, Maybe I'll start writing a little bit more on cbssports.com. Mm. Well, not a whole lot of content to consume over there. It's been a it's been a, it's been a long year. Mm. Return to writing for Will Brinson. We Maybe. will see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we will see. see. Get off my get off my turf, Will. That's all <laughs> I have. We were literally doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's all I have in life is this this writing. That's and also, this podcast. And also a podcast. And, and all my weekly appearances on Sports Center with Scott Van Well, the season's ending, buddy. <laughs> That's true. It, the season ends. They put me in a closet until uh, until September. So. Hey, I, hey well, I'll tell you what. Nothing wrong. I, somebody can throw me in a closet until September. I'll have you happy. Just make sure it's down at the beach or near a golf course. <laughs> or near a golf course where Will Brinson will be winning money from someone, presumably. But until then, Will, it's always a blast having you on. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thanks, bud. All right, thanks so much to my buddy Will Brinson from CBS. Hope you guys enjoyed this divisional round preview. We'll be back next week either recapping the divisional round or previewing the conference championship. Not sure which yet, but hope you guys are enjoying the postseason, and we'll have more football analysis here on the Bill Barnwell Show.